Welcome to the Step In, Step Up podcast. This is a conversation designed to help you get the most out of your Step In, Step Up journey. Today, we have a great episode, so get ready. Welcome back to the Step In, Step Up podcast. To all of our faithful listeners out there, we have got an amazing treat for you guys today. Now, here's one of the things that you might not know. Uh, Every episode we do, we get an analytics report back about how many people have listened to it. Uh, We get to find out where people are listening to our podcast and stuff like that. And just a little secret, the highest rated or most listened to episode we've ever done was when I had a special co-host named Hannah Macias along with me. And so you go with what's working, guys. So today... With me on the podcast is the one, the only, Hannah Macias. Hannah, tell everybody hi. Say hello. Hi, guys. How's it going? (laughs) All right, Hannah. So I don't know if you knew how just incredibly popular you are in (laughs) podcast world, but... For, for we keep picking up new listeners, new audience members every single week, mm-hmm. uh, at least one every single week. <laughs> and so, for those new people who might not know a whole lot about you, I thought we might start by just asking you a couple of questions. Sure. So, Hannah, please tell me something. Oh, I've got one. Okay, what is a song that you've currently got on repeat? I'm like looking on my phone right now because I knew you were going to ask that. Okay, I'm gonna like put in a link here for this guy. Okay, or what do they call it? A plug. Antoine Bradford, okay. Okay, Antoine Bradford is the musician, and what is the song? The song is called Enough. All right, and tell me, why is this song on repeat? Okay, um, first of all, his vocals are like butter. Um, it's super smooth. <laughs> um, all around, just the song is super like encouraging, and I think like his musicianship is just like awesome. He's all right, I like it, I like it. Say the name of the song one more time. Antoine Bradford, the song is called Enough. Enough, all right, and we might even be able to link it in the show notes mm-hmm. or something. Um, what is something you're currently, re- currently reading or something you've read recently that has shaped the way you think? I am going to be a good staff member right now and say sustainable youth ministry. Well done. Well done. Okay. <laughs> Tell us why. Tell us one thing from me. You're like, hey, this is shaping the way I think about youth ministry. Um, I think the part where he talks about climate and just like creating an environment in the church that um, people want to be a part of and how as youth leaders and just leaders in church, we can do that. Um, I think that I found that really insightful and really encouraging. All right. I like this. Good stuff. Um, what is... The best thing you've eaten in the last two weeks. Ooh. And if it doesn't have to be necessarily two weeks, but just recently. I think we had I had a movie night with Kendall, Bit, and Will, and we watched Wreck It Ralph, which I had never seen before. The first one or the second Both. one? Both. We like we just oh, had a okay. whole double movie feature. Night. It was right. the best. And we had those remember that taco place I told you about last time? The taco truck? The taco truck. Yes. yes. We went there. We oh. just like Indulged, And this is on Telegraph Canyon Road? Telegraph Canyon Road. i got to find this place and eat it. I haven't yeah. been there yet. El Ranchero. It's the bomb. All right. What is a pet peeve that drives you insane? Ooh. You know, I really hate, like, when you're talking and somebody's, like, kind of mimicking you, like, while you're trying to explain something to them and they, like, interrupt you. Maybe that's, like, a pride thing because I just, like, want to be Wait, hurt. you mean mimic, like, the whole, like... Where they try, like they try to do the same thing you're doing. Yeah, like they're like, like, like the third grade game. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate that. That's kind of does that happen a lot to you? (laughs) It doesn't, but like, okay, that's just something that when or when it happens to other people, like I hate it too. Okay, Okay. and so I'm like instantly feel like I have to defend that person. Are you around a lot of small kids or something? (laughs) Or that's that's happening? No, I feel like it's 
just I don't know. I feel like adults kind of do it sometimes. Okay, like, all right. Know. Well, if they do, we we know Hannah's going to step in. <laughs> all right. Uh, final question: What is a place you want to go but have not yet been? Ooh, I'm going to say I'm going to say Tahiti. Okay, yeah. why Tahiti? Um. It's something that I grew up hearing about all the time because my parents had their honeymoon there. And so my mom would just tell us as kids all the time, it's so beautiful. The water's so clear. And so it's just one of those things like as a kid, I was like, I want to go. And I've just always wanted to go since then. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, for all of you listeners, now you know Hannah a little bit better. Um, Let's just talk about why we do this podcast, though. So why do we do this podcast? Um, As many of you guys have heard and many of you guys know, in the first part of 2020, we are planting a church and we are sending a whole team of people out from within Momentum to plant that church. And so we said, hey, now is the time to start getting prepared. Now is the time to start being ready so that when we do plant this church, we we do it from the best possible position. And we've been talking about for the last couple of months, just stepping in and stepping up. We're asking people to step in and step up spiritually. We're asking people to step in and step up uh, volunteer-wise. And we're asking people to step in and step up with their generosity. All of that so that when this new church is formed and started, it uh, momentum can continue to go on without skipping a beat. That the volunteer holes are already plugged, that we've had people step up in generosity. And so for the last couple of weeks, we've been focusing in on that last part. What does it look like to be generous? And each week, we've just been talking a little bit more about generosity. And so that's why we do this podcast, because you can't fit all of this in on a Sunday morning. And throughout the week, we want to continue to get this message out and make sure people are tracking, people are following and answering the questions and just making it more real for everyone who's a part of Momentum, which actually leads me to what's I think are probably our favorite segment that we do each week here on the podcast, where we recognize a volunteer of the week. Hannah, who is our volunteer of the week this week? Who do we have? Our volunteer of the week is Kendall Daniels. Kendall Daniels. All right. Let me tell you a little bit about Kendall Daniels. Now, here's the deal. Kendall Daniels is only in eighth grade. Wow. But she carries a tremendous volunteer load for us. She does so much. So in Kid City, every week, she leads worship for us. Oh, my God. And not only does she lead worship, she choreographs worship. If you know anything about kids' worship, it's not it's not worship if there's not motions to go along Amen. with the song. And so she each each month she picks out the songs that we do, she choreographs all the movements, she teaches those movements to the kids. Um, she's formed her own little team of uh, of other uh, guys and girls that help her do this. Wow. And so she she leads our entire worship set in Kid City for us, which is really good because if yeah. you ever try to see me choreograph and dance, <laughs> you understand how valuable it is to have someone else do that. But that's not where it starts. As soon as worship is over and we break out into our um, small groups, she helps lead the fourth and fifth grade um, uh, group, and she continuously in pouring into those girls, pouring into them, building relationships. Um, I mean, anytime we're honestly, any type of event we ever do or any type of activity that Momentum ever participates in, she's usually there with her family, pitching in in any way she can. Nice. Um she babysits during my my community group, and she makes sure that like to take the kids out so that adults can have a conversation. And so, Kendall, you are our volunteer of the week. Yay. Thank you so much for all that you do. And so, you're going to be getting an awesome prize 
once we actually get them delivered or whatever. Uh, <laughs> sounds so sounds so wonderful. <laughs> yeah, we got these awesome prizes, and they're coming. Uh, but Kendall, thank you so much for all that you do. All right. Moving on to our next segment and kind of what's going to constitute the bulk of this podcast. We've been talking about generosity for the last couple of weeks, and we've been exploring why generosity is important, how generosity changes us. But here's something that we've got to address sooner or later. You can't become a generous person unless you really, really want to. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like... I can tell someone all the time, and shoot, I, I I know this stuff myself. Like you can tell someone all the time about you need to go to the gym, you need to eat healthy, you need to exercise, you need to eat more vegetables, and people will nod their head, people will agree with it, but until somebody actually wants to do it, it doesn't really matter. Like the the information alone is not going to change them. Yeah. And so the same thing is kind of true with generosity. We can tell you all the cool stories that happens. We can do all this stuff. But if we don't address something at the very beginning, the information alone won't tra- won't change them. And so today we're going to talk about a single question that if you really get down to it and really answer it, will help lead you to generosity. And so Hannah, what is that question? What is the question that we're going to look at today? It's what do I really want? All right. Let's, let's talk about that. What do I really want? Because here's the deal. At the base of who you are, if you go down super deep, when you figure out the answer to that question, it's going to unlock a whole world of generosity. And here's what I mean by that. Like if you ask most people, what do you really want? On the surface, they're going to give you surface-level answers. Mm-hmm. Like, what do I really want? I want a convertible so I can drive up the Pacific Coast Highway, or I want a great meal, or I want, I don't know, an awesome night out on the town with a good old Padres game or something like that. I want to win the lottery. I want to win the lottery. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But then, but then the question is, okay, well, why do you want those things? Mm-hmm. And you start to dig a little bit deeper, and you're like, okay, uh, why do you want a convertible so that you can drive up the Pacific Coast Highway? Well, I want an experience of just sheer joy. Yeah. Okay, or something like that. Right. Uh, why do you want a great meal? Because great meals taste good, and I feel happy when I do that. And if you dig down deep enough for most people, what they really want is not necessarily an experience but a feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with experiences. There's nothing wrong with that. But but they like how they feel when they experience certain things. And so That's good. let's say, okay, well, what, why do you want, like, how do you actually secure those feelings long term? So let's talk about, this is, this is East Lake. This is Chula Vista. Um, this is for Momentum people. Let's talk about what, if you were to ask the, a lot of the average Momentum people, what do they really want? They'd probably say something along the lines of, I want a good family. Mm-hmm. I want a safe place to live. I want a good home. Mm-hmm. I want good schools for my kids. And so you dig down, okay, well, why do you really want those things? Well, I want to feel safe, okay? Or I want to feel, like for my kids, I want them, I want them to have experiences that I never got to have growing up. I want them to feel um, better than I did, or I want them to be able to do, okay, well, how do you actually get those things? Because here's the deal, and here's why. Here, here's how this connects to generosity. So many of us 
try to use money as a way to meet those deep soul cravings that we have. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the deal. Anyone who tells you money can't buy you happiness is lying. <laughs> money can totally buy you happiness because here's the deal. Happiness is temporary. Mm-hmm. A great meal makes you happy, but the next day you still want something good. Yeah. Uh, a great vacation makes you feel great. It's awesome. But eventually you come back and you want it again. So money can buy happiness, but what it cannot do is actually meet those deep soul cravings that we have. Yeah. And so you've got to figure out a different way of meeting them. Otherwise, you're going to constantly be chasing money as the solution or, or something that you get with money as the solution to this. Uh, you see this, honestly, like this is pretty ancient stuff. Um, Solomon in the book uh, Ecclesiastes, which in some ways can be one of the most depressing books of the Bible, because <laughs> basically Solomon's it, 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 to explain Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, basically thought, I'm going to go try everything in life to see what brings me happiness. I'm going to try building great gardens and great projects. I'm going to try this. You know, I'll spend money doing this. I'll spend money doing this. And at the end of it, he just kind of realizes money doesn't bring happiness. Experiences don't bring happiness. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, he says, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever, whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This, too, is meaningless. Wow. And we've seen this, and you, you you see this especially like in a place like San Diego or or California, where people with the best of intentions buy something that they think is going to satisfy. They're like, hey, if I get the right house in the right neighborhood, that's going to do it. That's going to set me up for success. That's going to make my life better. I will be satisfied. But then they get the house, and three to four years later, or five to six years later. It's not big enough anymore, or there's a new it neighborhood with a better school attached to it. And so then then, then just through human nature, like, well, this isn't working anymore. I thought this would satisfy, and it did for a little bit, but now it doesn't. And so I've got to upgrade, and I've got to move, and I've got to go here. Or you see this a lot. Like, I remember, I mean, this, this doesn't just apply to, like, middle-aged people with kids. I mean, you see this a lot in early 20-somethings. Hannah, what is one thing that you've seen so many of your friends say, if I could just get this? Oh, wow then I'd be happy. Then I would be satisfied. Yeah. What's, what is it? I think like the two main things I think of is like a relationship. Yep. (laughs) Like everyone who's single is like, if I could just get a boyfriend and I don't think anyone actually verbalizes that, but you watch the way they live their life and you watch the way like they're interacting and it's like, Oh, like this person really wants to be like in a, and I get it. Um, but I think it's that mentality of like, when I finally have this other person then I'm finally going to feel good about myself. Um, and I think the second one would be like, either career like an education like when i finally get a degree like it's like oh i have i've succeeded i've accomplished everything absolutely and so you you invest all this time effort and money into either getting a relationship or maintaining a relationship or you invest all this time energy and money into getting a uh, degree and then you think and here's the deal there's always this point in our mind where we think once i get here 
then I'll start being this kind of person. Yeah. Like, hey, I if I did win the lottery, well, then I could afford to be generous. Right. Like, I I I, uh, I love this story, and I think it was maybe maybe it's been two years, maybe it's only been a year ago, where LeBron James opened up this school, oh, uh, yeah, that was awesome. and it was all yeah, like it's like like it's completely paid for for all the students that yeah. go there. Like, they all get a bike so that uh, that so that they can get to and from home. Because he talked about when he was growing up, a bike meant freedom, a bike meant yeah. you could get away from some bad things. And so he's doing this amazing stuff. And I remember the discussion around it where people talk about, well, if I had LeBron James's money, I would do that too. And I'm mm-hmm. like, no, you wouldn't. Because <laughs> if you're not generous in the small things, you're not going to be generous in the large That's things. So true. And the problem yeah. is, and this is why this is why we're talking about this, is that we always think that there's a point in time where we're going to put turn on a switch and be somebody different. Wow, wow. But... If we if if we're constantly in a state where we're like, hey, I need more to be satisfied, mm. then you're ne- you never reach that point where you're like, okay, well now I'm completely satisfied for myself, so I can start now. I can now start being generous. Yeah, because you, you're keep you keep trying to fill the void with things that aren't meant to fill the void. Yeah, um, Jesus talks about this a little bit. Like we've all heard the the. The parable where he talks about the different types of soils, hmm. where he talks about, hey, like, you know, there was a farmer and he scattered some seed and some of it fell on a rocky path. Some of it, you know, the the part that's the most heartbreaking, though, is when he talks about the seed that falls along in some soil and it sprouts up and it looks like a good plant. Yeah. It looks like everything's good, but no fruit is born. And then when Jesus is like, the disciples are like, hey. What is this? What does that even mean? You're like a farmer sowed some seed and there's some spiritual stuff in it. Like explain it to us. And when Jesus is explaining the parable to his disciples and he uses a phrase that is so powerful because he talks about that one particular type of soil where the plant sprung up, but it never actually reproduced. It never actually uh, grew. It just looked like it. And then it died away. And he says, and he uses a phrase called the deceitfulness of wealth. He said, Hmm. there are some people that encounter God. And through the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth, they chase after other things. And one thing that would be great for everyone to understand is that wealth is deceitful. It it, it does not give you what it promises. Uh, I think about... Jim Carrey, you know, the great theologian, Jim Carrey, <laughs> uh, who talked about, hey, he said, he said a couple years ago, he's like, I wish everyone could make $20 million and become famous and get everything they wanted so that they would see it doesn't actually satisfy. Wow. And I'm like, okay, there's a guy. And I, I used to think, well, it's easy for you to say, cause you got to try it. Right, all. You know, exactly. like, like give me the 20 million, the, the fame, <laughs> the stuff like that. And then I'll be like, oh yeah, I don't actually need this. Need the, yeah. But but there's there's a principle there that there's something deeper that our heart longs for. Hmm. Um, I think Matt talked about this a couple podcasts ago where he was talking about Kim and Britt were talking, uh, him and his wife. And they're talking about like, man, when we, when we retire, what are we going to do? And one of the things that uh, his wife mentioned was, I just want to make pasta, make some homemade pasta. And he's like, well, wait a second. If that's what really satisfies... We can do that now, you know? Right, right. And so, like, yeah, they got the pasta maker and they make the homemade sauce. And then what do they really want? They want that that connection of a family together. Mm-hmm. They want that working on a project together, yeah. that, that time of having fun. And so when I say, what do you really want? It's boiling it down and saying, okay, well, what do you, what are the things that are actually going to satisfy? Mm-hmm. And if you boil most of our desires down, what do we really want? 
we want safety. Yeah. We want to know that we're valued. We want to we want to have good relationships. We want to feel like what we're doing has a purpose. Mm. Now here's the deal. Money can't actually buy any of those. Wow. Um it can help. Mhm. But it's not actually going to provide any of those. You can't buy your way to those things. Um, great friendships, great relationships, great family, great community almost never has anything to do with money. Hmm. Like you don't look at the – there's no correlation between how wealthy a family is and how strong the relationships are. Yeah. If anything, there's almost an inverse correlation. You know, you, you see – you look at some of the wealthiest families on earth and you're like, oh, yeah, money totally ruined right. them. Um, meaning and purpose, that has nothing to do with money. With money. Yeah. Um, you look at uh, some of the people, you'd say, man, they like, like, if I had to guess, I would say Mother Teresa probably felt like she lived mm. a meaningful life. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if she took a vow of poverty, but she certainly lived in yeah, poverty, you know, so sure, sure. there's no real correlation there between those two things. And so when I say, what do you really want? If you get down to it, you usually find that money isn't really necessary for it. Hmm. Now, does money like do you do you need money to eat and survive and live? Absolutely, yes. And am I going to be one of those guys that says, "Well, you can't get the cheese on the chicken sandwich because that fifteen cents could be better spent"? No, yeah. like, get the cheese on the chicken sandwich; it'll make you happy. I don't <laughs> care. Um, but if you're thinking that if that someday one day I'm going to reach a level and then I can be generous, you're just not. But if you start with the question, what do I really want? And you work your way backwards and you say, okay, I want a great environment for my family. Mm -hmm. I want to feel like my life has meaning and purpose. All of those things can be accomplished usually without money or money not being the central factor in it. And then if you start meeting those needs, money loses its grip on you because you recognize it for what it is. It's a tool. Yeah. It's something that can help you. And it's something, yeah, you can, you can have some great experiences, but it no longer owns you and it no longer owns your future. Hmm. For most of us, even people that we would say like are not super materialistic. Like I think one of the funny things is, is that my parents' generation was all about the house you owned, the car you drove. Yeah. My generation rejected it and said, no, we're not going to be materialistic like that. But then it's all about the trips you've taken. Yeah. And it's like, well, wait a second. So you're not spending all that money on a mortgage, but you're spending it traveling to Europe and Asia and stuff like that. So it's like, wait a second. It's just as materialistic. Mm -hmm. It's just a new form. Uh, And so, and then I think we've all been obsessed with like what car you're driving for ever since they came out in 90 years. Yeah. So whatever. But to get back to it, to get back to the point, answering the question, what do I really want? Figuring that out. And then when money no longer has a grip on your future, you can then start asking different kind of questions like, okay, well, what kind of person do I really want to be? Hmm. How am I using money to become that kind of person? Hmm. Like, I, I think sometimes we get, in, we get into a, um, a legalistic argument about, well, how much should I give or um, am I more faithful and more generous if I give this dollar amount versus this dollar amount? But just a question, what kind of person do I want to be? Who doesn't want to be a generous person? Yeah, yeah. Like, who doesn't want to be seen as someone that blesses others, that makes others' lives better, that gets to invest in people? Well, if I want to be a generous person, how am I going to use my money and how am I going to use my resources? How am I going to use my time to make that 
happen. Does that make sense? No, that absolutely makes sense. And I guess my question, too, would be like when we're speaking about generosity, I think because yeah. I'm trying to think I'm hearing what you're saying. And I'm taking yeah. it in from maybe a person who's like kind of scared of that word or like somebody who's just like maybe newer to church and is like, man, like I want to be generous, but it can sound so much like, OK, should I be afraid of money then? Like, should I be afraid of making a lot of money? Because I think like I grew up under the mentality like just w- like the religious mindset of like, oh, it's too, it's not good to have too much money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And it was kind of like the scary thing growing up and being like, oh, pastors are supposed to be poor and like church people are supposed to like not ever have like enough, you know? And so it's like, how would you say somebody who, if you're speaking to somebody who maybe is listening and they have a lot of resources and they have a lot of finances or somebody who maybe wants to make a lot of money one day, like what would you say like, for them, like their generosity, like, does it mean like they have to write these big thousand dollar checks? Like, how would you correlate that with that person? Like, without, sure. you know, making Absolutely. them afraid of it. Absolutely. So here's the deal. I think it was John Wesley who said, um, make as much money as you can mm. so that you can be as generous as you can. That's so good. Uh, That's really good. Now, money, one of the, like I said, like, we tend to think that rich people have a bigger problem with money than poor people. That's yeah. not true at all. Wow, not true wow, at all. Wow. Rich people have just been more successful at getting money. <laughs> you can be a greedy, stingy person right. no matter what your income level is. That's so true. we don't need to be afraid of money. We need to recognize. Well, we do need to recognize the dangers that are associated with it. Got though. it. Okay. So, and the other thing that we probably should also understand too is that we tend to always think in in relative terms. Um, if you ask the average person in the U.S., are you rich, they're going to say no. Right. If you take their standard of living and move it to a third world country, they're going to be seen as one of the upper elites, at, you oh, know, absolutely. something like that. Yeah. So am I rich compared to what? You know, mm-hmm. like compared to someone who's making $50 million a year? No. no. Compared to yeah. someone who's living on less than $2 a day? Yes. So to, to get back to it, how should we actually approach money? Approach it cautiously because mm. we we know that it's a very, very powerful competition for our heart. Absolutely. Yeah. But also recognize it as a very, very powerful tool. Mm. Yeah. You can do a lot. So I don't want people to be taking vows of poverty unless they actually think God has said, hey, this is what I want yeah, for you in your life. Right. I want people getting great jobs. And here's the deal. There's some there's some industries and some things that just by their very nature are going to generate wealth and income. Yeah. If someone is a, is a great entrepreneur and just has a gifting for starting businesses and producing wealth, I see that as a blessing and as a gift that God has given them for the benefit of others. Absolutely. So like we talk about like um, if someone has a great teaching gift, mm-hmm. they're, they should share that with their community. Hey, guys, like I, I've been able to read scripture. Here's some things I'm seeing. Here's some things I'd, I'd love to be able to share that. If someone is super compassionate, you want them to use their compassionate gift. Absolutely. Well, if someone is great at generating income. Use that to bless people. Wow. I mean, if you're hiring people, you're giving them jobs, you're providing them dignity, you're providing them work. If you're super generous and you're funding, um, one, I'll, I'll tell you this, I'll tell you a story. So one of the, one of the things that I did um, many, many years ago was that myself and a group of friends planted a church on a college campus because we saw like just a huge need for people at that stage of life to have a church that was designed for them and that was meeting where they were. Well, we needed a place to meet. We needed a building to be in and all kinds of things. 
and there was a developer who was building a mixed-use facility at the university. So the first floor was all commercial real estate, and then the top couple floors were all student housing. Now, this guy had resources. He had income. He took out an entire section of that ground floor, turned it into a multi-purpose room, and said, hey, guys, this can be your church. Wow. And so wow. that's where we met. That's incredible. So he used, and I mean, like, in all honesty, the, the retail value of that space like that was a that was a over the course of the years that was a multi million dollar gift wow. based on just the income he no longer received from that space, wow. and so that was a way of a guy providing a place for a church to form, mm. a church to meet. I don't know how many hundreds of college students' lives have been changed through that and yeah. continue to get changed this day. But that's an example of, yeah, like we need people with those kind of efforts and research. Does that answer your question? Yeah, Does that make sense? Totally. Okay. No, what else? So good. What other things are you thinking? What other questions? No, that makes sense. And I'm wondering too, like, okay, so let's talk about, so we talked about that end. Like if you yeah. have resources, mm-hmm. using it for the kingdom. And that's so cool because it makes, mm-hmm. it makes someone like me who grew up thinking like money is scary and I should be afraid of it. Think like, no, I can pray to make income so long I have the right motives and I'm not, you know, trying to use it like you were talking about to buy all these things for these experiences to fill this void when it's like, no, I'm actually using this because I want to be a good person. I want to be a generous person. I yeah. want to be somebody who gives. And if the Lord wants to bless me with money to use that, then it's like, you know, awesome. Like if he gives me more money, I'm just going to give it more away, you know? Absolutely. So I think that's cool. So what would you say to the opposite side? Like somebody maybe who's struggling to make ends meet and is like just, you know, living paycheck to paycheck. How would you say, what does generosity look like in their context? Sure. So one of the things we always have to figure out first is are you actually struggling or are you out of control with your money? Wow. So we'll, yes. we'll answer that. We'll, we'll answer the easy one first. Um, the easy one is someone who's just out of control with their money. They've mm-hmm. never actually put in a budget. They're not disciplined. There's stuff like that. That's the, on, it's the easiest one to answer. It's probably not the easiest one to solve, right. but it's, it's easy to answer. Hey, like, so what you need to do, you need to, and we will probably talk about this on a, on a later podcast, but, and there's plenty of resources out there, but you need to get your financial house in order. Absolutely. It's not that you're poor. It's that you're out of control okay. and you're, you're, you know, like you have a Hulu subscription, a Netflix subscription, <laughs> an Amazon Prime subscription, and you're also uh, like buying movies off iTunes. Right. You know, it's like you're spending $90 a month on movies. You're not at, and, and TV streaming. You're not actually using all of that. Right. You could probably get by with one or two. You're something Absolutely. like that. Um, but let's talk about, let's actually talk about the tougher one. The person who like legitimately is like, no, I don't, you can take a look at my budget. You can take a look at my bank statements. Yeah. Where is this coming from? Well, here's the deal. This is why we're supposed to be generous as a church. Mm. Like there are people who need to receive our generosity. Wow. And so if let me let me let me think I'm I'm trying to think of this very carefully because I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings or offend someone. Right. A church that does not take care of its own members, I have a really hard time calling a church. Wow. Um because we are supposed to represent the love of Christ to each other. Absolutely. Jesus said, you know, by this will all men know that you're my disciples, the way you love one another. There are people who are going to need financial resources and that is completely legitimate and okay. Yes. yes. And sometimes we're like, well, let's go back and figure out everything they've ever did and see if mm. there's any reason that disqual. No, like, Abs- yeah, no. Like, no, I mean, yeah, you do you have to be careful to make sure you don't get taken advantage of. And can you give people money who are, have no desire to make things better? No, like, I, I get all that. But 
in a, in a normal, healthy church body, at least some percentage of the population is going to need financial assistance. Wow, yeah. And so they're not supposed to be doing more right. to make more. Well, like, cause here's the deal. Like if they're working 40 hours a week and they're a single parent and they've got kids and they've got a, you know, a house payment an apartment pay, you know, they got rent to pay stuff right, like that. Right. Like, it's okay for money to go to them. That is not them being lazy. That is right, not them being right. unfaithful. That's not them being disobedient. That's being, there is a reality in life that some people have not had the same opportunities or, or just the circumstances have not worked out the same way. Yeah. So they should be on the receiving it. Yeah. That's completely okay. Absolutely. Does yeah. that answer the question? No, totally yeah, absolutely. Does. Yeah, what other questions are good. stirring in your mind? Um, no, I just thought of a story. Like I was yeah. just thinking when you were saying like, some people are just on the receiving end. Like I just watched, I don't know if you saw it, but it was like this YouTube video of this woman who is a, a billionaire. She owned a company. I'm not really sure what the company was, but she's, she lost a check. So she wrote like $10,000 on a check, lost it, dropped it. Didn't even know she lost it. And this homeless guy found it on the ground, picked it up or like found her, like went through all of like this homeless guy didn't have a home, didn't even have a phone, found her, got in contact with her somehow. And she's like, dude, like, I'm going to give you a job. And so he like had nothing. He, she gave him a job and now he's like a CEO with her, like in her company. Oh, that's awesome. And I just thought that was so cool. Cause it was like, man, like it's what you're talking about. Like there are just some people. And I think like with the homeless community too, like there's a lot of like, Oh, well, you know, who knows what they're doing or what they're going to do with that money. But like you see a person like that and she didn't have any hesitation to be like, Hey, there's something in you that I see that I want to invest in, you know? And I thought that was really cool. Cause it's like, sometimes people just need help, you know, yeah, people absolutely. have just, they end up in a place in life where it's like, this is really tough and I'm doing the best I can, but it's like that helping hand. Like, I don't think that there's anything, you know, wrong with that person to receive help from us. Like you're saying from the church, from people who have the resources to be able to lift somebody up and give them an opportunity to get back on their feet, you know? And I think that that's really cool. Absolutely. And we can probably both agree that overall the, the capital C church, the big church in America, like the, all the churches combined, we don't have the greatest reputation anymore in the United States. Yeah. You know, there's scandal sure. here, mess up here, you know, something like that. But here's the deal. People can can say, I don't believe what you believe, but they cannot deny generosity when wow, it happens. Wow, that's so good. That's like, like a game changer. Yeah, like you can say, hey, I don't that necessarily so agree with you. I don't necessarily agree with what yeah. you believe. But when I see the way that you give to others, I can't deny that at least you believe it. Jeez, yeah. And... and, and how many walls and barriers get torn down when by generosity? Wow. So I guess kind of to wrap up this conversation or something like that, like we can probably both think of times where someone else's generosity has spurred our faith on. For sure. Give me a story just to kind of wrapping up to kind yeah. of bring this to a close of a time when someone else's generosity did something in your world. It did something in your life. Man, I've had, I've been on the receiving end of that so many times. Yeah. The one that I'm thinking of right now is when I signed up for my very first mission trip to go to Thailand. Um, and I was terrified. Like when I tell you I was scared, I mean like hands like clenched looking at the sign up sheet, like, Oh, should I press this? Like, I don't know. Turned in my application, praying like every night and day. I'd never prayed anymore in my life. Like God, if you don't show up and you don't give me the resources for this, I'm not gonna be able to go. You know what I mean? My parents had given me what they could. I was working extra hours. It was just like, you know, I don't know how this is going to happen. And I remember waking up, you know, maybe like a couple days later and like check, I checked my GoFundMe every single day. I didn't know how to use GoFundMe. I was like such an amateur. 
and somebody had donated like over like two thousand dollars. Oh wow! And it was an anonymous gift, and it literally paid for almost all of it. Like after that, I only had like four hundred, five hundred dollars. Okay, left. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh my! I remember like just weeping, like running into my parents' room, and like guys, like. Somebody paid over, like, half of my trip, and we're all crying, like, wow. And I think that changed my life from that moment. Like, I can remember going on that trip, experiencing God in such a radical way, and, like, him changing, the like, literally the course of my life after that. And that was my first trip, and that changed everything for me, so. Absolutely, absolutely. So here's the deal. We could probably tell 10 more stories of like that, but for just everybody listening, everybody that's going to be paying attention to this, we never know the full effect of what our generosity does. Yeah. Because I could also probably point to people that you've impacted with your generosity mm-hmm. in your life, and they'll have people that say like that, like, our generosity outlives us by generations. Wow. Because we're giving to somebody, it impacts their life, they go on and impact other people's lives, and it just brings back, it's one of those compounding returns. Mm-hmm. And so uh, to make this more practical, to, to kind of put a, to b- a bow on this or whatever, one of the things we're encouraging people at Momentum to do is just, hey, figure out where you're at in your current generosity journey and then just take one step. That's so good. If you're, if you're never given consistently, just start there. Just pick a dollar amount that you're like, hey, I'm going to start giving this every week or every month, you know, every time I get paid, whatever whatever your rhythm is. For people that are already giving a regular dollar amount, consider b- moving that to a percentage. Mm-hmm. I give, you know, 5%, 6%, 7%. And then for those of us that are percentage givers being like, hey, what is another step towards just extravagant generosity? Yeah. What is a step like... If I had just increased by 2%, because here's the deal. What we've looked at and we've said, hey, if everyone in Momentum takes this step that's staying, that's not part of the team that we're launching out, we won't even miss a beat financially. Wow, that's so cool. It, it doesn't require like a ton. It just requires people taking steps. Yeah. So uh, to wrap up this podcast and to kind of make sure that it's all nice and good, I've got one last question for okay. you, Anna. On a scale of 1 to 10. Oh, geez. How excited are you? Ten being the the top. Okay. How excited are you to go try Chick-fil-A's new mac and oh cheese? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Literally ten out of freaking ten. Like, oh my I cannot tell you. I've been praying for this. Because they've had it in the South for forever. Like Oh wait, they- wait. They've had mac and cheese yes. at Chick-fil-A when in the I South? When I lived in Charlotte, I remember we drove up like to DC for a road trip and we I don't know where we were, somewhere in like North Carolina. And I went in there and they had mac and cheese. And like I was like, wait a minute, hold on. Why don't we have this on the West Coast? And then we okay. came back and then it was like, nothing's happening, nothing's happening, nothing's happening. And then Will comes up to me and he's like, dude, we got mac and cheese. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I can't wait. Are you trying it today? I am so tempted after this to go and try it. Like, okay. so tempted. But by the time someone else see, hears this and then sees you, you will have tried. Um, I can probably okay. bet. Yeah, I would bet. Yeah. All right. Put money on that. <laughs> well, guys, that's it. That'll wrap up this episode of uh, Momentum Step In, Step Up podcast. Until we see you again next time, don't forget to rate us on iTunes. Give us a review, yep. five stars, whatever it is you like to do. Yeah. And we will see you next time. Bye.